Church family, service will begin shortly, but we want to share a few announcements before we start. If you're visiting for the first time today, stop by our On New Wall located in the lobby. We would love to meet you and give you a small gift for attending. On behalf of the staff and pastors here at church, thank you for your generosity during Pastor Appreciation Month. If you're helping us this year with filling an Operation Christmas Child shoebox, we need those returned by next Sunday. We also want you to know for Thanksgiving Day, there will be no services on that Thursday night. It's that time of year when we ask for volunteers to ring the bell for Salvation Army at three locations around Shelbyville. If this is something you'd like to do, please see our sign-up wall in the rear of the sanctuary. If you have an elementary child interested in baptism, there will be a jumpstart session on November 19th. See Tiffany, our children's pastor, for more information or to register. Our next Pathways session is Tuesday, December 5th. For those that don't know about Pathways, it's our on-ramp to membership and involvement. There are three sessions or steps to our Pathways. We provide a meal and childcare. Go to our website, click on the Pathways banner to register. Our middle and high school students are having a flag football game this year and we're calling it the Turkey Bowl. It's happening November 18th at 12 noon, so come on out to the athletic field here and support our students. God has been at work changing hearts, restoring lives, and we are so blessed to see it each week. Join me in celebrating last week's baptisms. Hey, church family, how you doing this morning? As you're standing to your feet, I hope you had a great week. Uh, we're going to start the service with a, with a song that just gets us going in the morning. You know, God is worthy to be praised. And sometimes even though we don't feel like praising him, he's still worthy, right? So let's just sing together. All right, I want you to clap your hands with us like this.
worthy to be praised. If, the, if we don't sing out the rocks, we'll write. I praise cause you're sovereign. Praise cause you reign. Praise cause you rose and defeated the grave. I praise cause you're faithful. Praise cause you're true. Praise cause there's nobody greater than you. Praise cause you're sovereign. Praise cause you reign. Praise cause you rose and defeated the grave. Praise cause you're faithful. Praise cause you're true. Praise cause there's nobody greater than you. Praise the Lord, oh my soul.
Anybody been forgiven that didn't deserve it? Yeah. Thank you, Lord. You're the Redeemer, Lord. I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. I don't want to abuse your grace. like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. It's like the sound of a symphony to my ears. Yes. It's like holy water, your forgiveness. It's like sweet, sweet honey on my right it's like holy water and his forgiveness is on and on we can run to him amen thank you lord
Thank you, God, that we can run to the Father, our Heavenly Father that never fails to pour out your undying love to us, God. We love you. We give you praise. Thank you for today and the word that's going to be brought forth. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. This uh, road to recovery. Step six is um, dealing with forgiveness. Uh, we've said, Dave and Bobby have shared with you in the first five weeks, that we are kind of coming into this all with the same understanding. That um, there's, a, there's a passage of scripture in Romans chapter three that reminds us of this, that for, for all have sinned, right? We all have sinned and we all fall short of God's glory. Yet God, but God, right? In his mercy and in his love. Look at this, look at this passage, uh, Romans 3. His glorious standard, his grace freely makes us right, right? In his sight, his son Jesus makes us Right, and so what we understand is that when we do a when we do a series like this, it can kind of be uh, the temptation uh, when we, as pastors and preachers, think about doing a series. Well, well, people check out when they hear it's a, a you know a series on recovery. But the thing that we have to continually remind ourselves of every week, right, every day, is that we all have the same condition. <laughs> we all have this sin condition. That we're dealing with. And so whatever that, however that manifests itself in your life, it is still there. And so today we're going to look at at step six and see how we can kind of maybe maneuver uh, and kind of in our relationships with those that we need to um, forgive and those that we need to maybe make amends with. I want you guys to look at step six. Here's what it says. Evaluate all my relationships, offer forgiveness to those who've hurt me and make amends for harm that I've done to others, except when to do so would harm them or others. And so there's two two pieces to this, two aspects to this. We're going to talk about what it looks like for us to offer forgiveness, to forgive others when they've hurt us, and then what it looks like to make amends if if that's something that that you need to do in a relationship. I, I want to begin by just asking you a question. Has anyone ever hurt you? Anyone ever betrayed you? Anyone ever 
lied to you, lied about you? Anyone ever done something to to you that in that moment, in that season, in that experience, you thought this was something that just seems unforgivable? It's so hard and it's so hurtful and you carry that with you, right? Chances are in a room this large with this many people here this morning, some of you guys have been hurt deeply by other people, by other people's actions. There are things that, there are wounds that you carry. There are scars that you can look at in your life and you are reminded of something, of someone, of an action, or, or, or a season, or a childhood, or a relationship. You are reminded of something that is so hurtful. Why does it seem like sometimes the most um, traumatic, the most um, deep hurts come from those who are closest to us? You guys ever, ever really noticed that? Ever really thought about that? That sometimes those who are supposed to protect us, Someone was supposed to protect you, and they hurt you. Someone was supposed to love you. They said they loved you. The words came out of their mouth, and you believed them, but they betrayed that love. Someone said that they were your friend, but then they started to behave like an enemy. You ever been hurt? by someone really close to you? How are we supposed to forgive? How are we supposed to forgive something that may seem, excuse me, unforgivable? How are we supposed to forgive someone who hurts someone that we love? It's one thing, right? It's one thing for you to, all right, you and I, we can deal with whatever we need to deal with, right? But if you hurt my mama, If you hurt my wife, I can be mean to my wife. I can say nasty things to her, but you can't, right? If you hurt my kids, if you hurt my boys, it's on, right? It is on, right? And so why is it that it's so hard to us forgive when the the hurt and the, the pain is so deep and it's so difficult for us to wrestle with this? I, I want to tell you something this morning as we start. This is hard. This is wrestling with forgiveness and, and, and wrestling with the things that maybe have happened to you or the things that you've done to someone else. This is, this is difficult. I've wrestled with this for a couple of weeks now. Just what do you say? How do you approach this? How do you, how do you deal with this? Because I'm not preaching to you guys today <laughs> as much as I'm preaching to myself. Okay? And so how do we do this? God tells us clearly in his word as followers of Christ that we are to forgive over and over and over again in the New Testament. Jesus is clear. You must forgive. You have to forgive. You need to forgive. You have to forgive others. I want you to look at this this passage of scripture. This is what Jesus says. He says this. He says, if your brothers and sisters sin against you, 
rebuke them. Uh, an aggressive term, an aggressive word, basically just to confront them, to talk to them. It's a, it's a sharp word. It's a word that says, hey, we need, to, we need to talk about this. We need to discuss this. We need to get this all out, right? So, so rebuke them, go to them, confront them. And if they repent, Jesus said to his, his followers, he said, uh, if they forget, forgive them, even if they sin against you seven times in a day, and seven times come back to you and say, I repent, I'm sorry, right? You, Jesus says, you must forgive them. And then the apostles said to the Lord, Jesus, you need to increase our faith on this one, right? Because you look at this and you go, all right, if someone does something today, all right, and they come and say, I, will you please, I, I'm a knucklehead, I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have done that, okay, but if they come back a second time and do it again and a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time, right? And Jesus looks at his disciples, he looks at the apostles and he says, you got to continually forgive even when it hurts really bad. You have to, if they come and ask for forgiveness, you need to forgive them. And then the apostles said, you're going to have to increase our faith on this one. This is hard. This is hard teaching, Jesus. We don't understand this. This doesn't make any sense to us because that's not the natural thing for us to do, right? But Jesus clearly over and over and over again says, you must forgive. Matthew chapter 5, he said this. This was in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies. Oh. You have someone in your life right now that it's, it would be really hard for you to just to, to love them, to, to pray for them. You have somebody in your life really right now that you're just in conflict with, that you struggle with, that when you're in the same room with them, it's hard. You have to kind of just take a deep breath and, and bite your tongue because they seem like an enemy. They seem like someone who's, who wants to, to come after you, to persecute you. And Jesus says, we're to love them and we're to pray for them. Th- th- this is hard, but this is what Jesus requires of his followers. He said this, or, or Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 4. He said this, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. And then he reminds us, just as Christ has forgiven you. And so over and over and over, there's this theme. Jesus preached on this again in the Sermon on the Mount. Look at Matthew chapter 6. He said this. He said, for if you forget, this is, if, if you don't walk away today with anything else, Walk away with this, because this is so important. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father won't forgive you of your sins. That that should stop us in our tracks if we're dealing with forgiving someone else of something that they have done to us, right? When we struggle with this, when, when I read this, I'm like, whoa, what a, what a stark statement, Jesus. What a hard statement. That, that if we don't forgive, he's not going to forgive us. And so there's this clear command for us to forgive. So what does that look like? Well, let me first kind of share with you a couple things that it, it doesn't mean. Here's what forgiveness does not mean. Forgiveness does not mean forgetting. It doesn't mean forgetting. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you wipe your brain of the offense. It's, it's, it doesn't mean that you deny that it, something's ever happened. It's, it's you know, not allowing that behavior to continue on. That's not what forgiveness is. You can forgive someone and have healthy boundaries, right? You can forgive, but you're going to remember 
And so you maybe create some healthy, but you, you can let it go and still um, have to allow trust to be rebuilt in a relationship. I would say for most of us who are adults, we've had to do that in life. There's been a situation where someone's hurt you, and then that, 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 that relationship has been reconciled to some point, but you don't go back all the way in because you remember what they did in the past, and so there's this trepid kind of step-by-step, step. all right, let's take this slowly, and let's build this relationship back up. Because we're not going to go back there again, right? So forgiveness is not forgetting. Here's what else forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not fair. There's nothing fair about letting someone, quote unquote, off the hook, right? What's fair? What's fair is to pay them back. What's fair is to seek revenge. What's, what's fair is that they get what's coming to them. Have you ever thought this, said this, shouted this? It's just not fair, that's just not fair. You ever looked at a situation maybe that you weren't involved in, you were kind of outside of it, you look in, you see something on the news, or you hear about a story, and you're like, that just doesn't seem fair. That just doesn't seem right. It's just not fair. Here's what's interesting about fair. We like it when God's not fair with us. Because if God was fair with you, you wouldn't like that too much. You know, you, we, we understand that God is just and he is, but he's not always fair. Because if he was fair, I would get, and you would get what's coming to you. Romans chapter 6 says this, for the wages of sin is death. What, what your sin requires and what my sin requires, the Bible says, is death. And so fairness would be for God to say, nope, you sinned. You have sinned against me. It's death for you. But that's not what, good, what God does. He doesn't do that. He is, a, he is a just God. So we need to rejoice in the fact that he's not always fair. I love this psalm. Psalm 103, it says this. It says, he, God, does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he has removed our transgressions from us. God, thank you for not giving me what I deserve, right? Thank you for removing my sins as far as the east is from the west. God sends all of our sins eastwards. And if you, they keep going eastwards, guess what? They're going to always go away. You can never go east and, and, and eventually turn around and go west. You're always going to be going east. And so Jesus says, God says, it's going to go as far as the east is from the west. It's gone. God, thank you for, for doing that. Thank you for being a just God. Well, here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is offering to others the same grace, the same mercy, the same goodness that God has offered us. And so what, when Jesus looks at his, his children, when Jesus looks at his followers, when Jesus looks at the church, he says, you need to understand that you're going to have to forgive. And you're going to have to forgive the way that, that, that God's forgiven you, that the Heavenly Father has forgiven given you. You're going to have to be reminded of his goodness and his grace and his mercy. And you're going to have to extend those things to other people. Almost daily, right? 
And if it requires seven times, then do it seven times in a day. And then he says in another uh, passage of scripture, he says 70 times seven. And so Jesus, do you mean 490 times? Well, yeah, but keep going, right? You're going to have to continually extend grace and mercy to others. Why? Because a good God does that exact same thing with us every single day, right? And so we're reminded of that, that forgiveness looks like that. I love this. This is, this is a, the power of the gospel. Look, look, at, look at this. This is John chapter 1, verse 9. It says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us. He makes us right. He makes us pure from, from all unrighteousness. If we confess... If we come before a holy God and say, God, I repent, will you please forgive me? He makes us right. He is just. He's not fair. You don't want fair. He's just, and he will forgive you of your sins and purify purify us and make us righteous. So forgiveness is this. Forgiveness is giving to others what God's given to us. That's the first one. Gospel isn't just about receiving forgiveness, but it's giving it, right? Right? It's not just about the, being the recipient of it, but it's also giving it to others. And here's what the second thing, you need to understand this. This is kind of, I love this beautiful picture. Forgiveness is this, look at this. Forgiveness doesn't just flow to us. It flows through us, right? It's not just that we just accept it. God, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for being merciful and, and, and good and gracious to me. No, it's that we are this conduit of that forgiveness to others, Because in a world that's going to say, seek revenge, strike back, hold grudges, get them. Jesus comes in and says, my church is going to look different. You're going to receive this forgiveness. And because you have received it and you know what it means to have received forgiveness, it's going to just flow through you to others. That's how we're going to change the world. That's how this is going to be different. And so that's what forgiveness looks like for us. It's granting forgiveness that heals you. Granting forgiveness starts to heal you. Forgiving them, look at this, forgiving them may not set them free, but it will always set you free. If there's something you're holding on to today that that you're like, I'm struggling with forgiving for letting this go, go. It's it's harming you, right? You know it is. You, You feel it. It's causing stress. It's causing anxiety. It, it, it's, it's causing all these things in your heart and your mind. And, and you're dealing with this. And, and you don't know how to let it go. And Jesus comes along and says, this may not affect them. They, they may not even know what's going on in, in your heart and your mind. But, but if you will forgive, it's going gonna, it's gonna to always set you free. This is hard stuff. I, I, I've, like I've said, I've wrestled with this just thinking about, well, what do you say? When you know people are dealing with relationships that are, that are really hard, and they just need to, they need to forgive, they need to ask for forgiveness, they need to seek forgiveness, they need to accept it from someone else, it, it's really hard. It's really hard to think about this in, in our relationships. But you know what's easy? Here's what's easy. It's easy to hold a grudge. I'm going to ask you this morning if anybody's holding a grudge against someone, but chances are, if you really thought about it, yeah, I'm probably holding a grudge against somebody today. Is it easy? To, it's easy to live in bitterness. It's easy to wish the worst for someone who you think deserves it. I hope they have eternal hemorrhoids, right? <laughs> I hope they have ulcers 
for the rest of their life. I hope they hope they sit in misery, right? It's easy to wish harm on someone that you think deserves it, right? It's easy to do that. It's easy to not talk, to avoid it, to ignore it. Now, like I told you, I, I'm, I'm the king of this. This is my thing. <laughs> this is my thing. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. I'm the, hey, let's just ignore it. It'll go away. Let's forget it. Let's move on. I'm good. Aren't you good? Let's go. All right, that's me. Like, let's, 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 let's just kind of forget about it. And I need a wife that comes along and says, no, we need to talk about this because this is an issue for you. <laughs> Come on, really? And then that's it, right? It's easy for me to just say, I want to ignore it. I want to I act like it doesn't exist. It's easy to walk in hatred and in unforgiveness. But it takes faith. And it's hard. Jesus looked at the apostles and he said to them, you know, you're going to need to forgive over and over and over again. And they looked back at Jesus and they said, Jesus, if we're going to have to do that, then you're going to have to increase our faith. You're going to have to give us more faith. Give us more faith, Jesus, because this doesn't make any sense to us. We're not used to doing this. This is, not, this is not the way we behave. This is not the way we act. This is not how we interact in our relationships. And so if you want us to do this, you're going to have to increase our faith. And so sometimes the, the temptation is to ask this question. Well, how much forgiveness do they deserve? Right? Well, how much, how much forgiveness? Well, you, you don't, Jason, you don't understand what they've done to me. If, I, if we had the time, let me sit down and tell you a story about what's happened to me. And you're standing up there asking me to forgive that? You don't understand. And you're right, I don't understand exactly what's happened to all of us in this room. And so, sometimes we ask this question, uh, how, how much forgiveness do they deserve? But, but, but let me suggest to you this morning, that's not the right question to ask. Here, here's the question you need to ask. How much freedom do you desire? How much freedom do you desire? Are you going to hold on to this? For the rest of your life, in bitterness and hatred, and, and just this thing that weighs you down, this conversation that you've put off for years from having, right? This situation that you need to confront, like today. Some of you are going to need to leave this place today, and you're going to need to go confront a situation because it's been holding you down, and it's been hold, held, holding you hostage, and you do not have freedom. Because you're wrestling with forgiveness. And, and so God wants you to experience freedom. How much freedom do you desire today? And so we could choose to say something like this. What you did to me, it's no longer going to hold me prisoner. What you said is not going to limit my future. Your betrayal, it's not going to hold me down. Your actions won't pollute my heart and poison my soul. I'm not going to be your victim any longer. Your past sins won't rob me of my future. Maybe some of us need to to declare that this morning. I I love this thought. Look at this. Sometimes, Sometimes the best healing happens on the other side of pain. Forgiveness doesn't change the past. But it does change your soul. Why was Jesus so persistent? You must forgive. You must forgive. Over and over. You must forgive. He, he obviously knew this. 
It's gonna, it, it will change you. It, it's going to change your heart. It's going to change your soul. It's what you have to do. It's going to be hard. It's going to be painful. But healing will take place on the other side of this situation. And so some of us need to wrestle with that this morning. We need to understand that, that maybe someone has done something to you that's horrible. And, and you need to, to forgive them. The second part of this step, right, is making amends. Going to someone that you've hurt. Going to, to someone and making amends for harm that you've done, except when to do so would, would harm them or others. So we're going to talk about this. What does it look like for you, if you're sitting here this morning going, I need to, I need to go ask for forgiveness. I need to go say I'm sorry. I need to, I need to have a conversation with, with so-and-so because this is, this is me. This is my, my stuff that I need, to, I need to seek amends for. I love this uh, passage of scripture. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says this. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it, see to it that no one falls short of, of the grace of God and that no, look at this, bitter root, right? No bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Do you have... Uh, a bitter root inside of your heart? Do you have this bitterness that you're carrying around? Do you have this hatred, this anger, this situation that needs to be resolved? It has to be resolved because unresolved relationships are going to prevent true recovery from happening in our lives, right? Unresolved situations, if we're going to recover and we're going to move on and we're going to walk in freedom, there are things that, that have to be resolved that maybe are sitting here unresolved this morning. So how do I make amends? Let me give you uh, two or three quick things, and then we'll, we'll close up here. How do I make amends with people that I've hurt? First thing, maybe you need to make a list of those that you've harmed and what you did. That sounds really, doesn't that sound fun? <laughs> Let's make a list of all the people I've upset or I've hurt or I've harmed and what I've done to them. Here's their name, and here's what I think I've done. Maybe you're sitting there going, I, don't, I ain't really think of anything. I, don't, I got nothing. Well, let me just kind of get your, get your mind going here a little bit. Maybe, maybe you've broken a promise to someone. You ever broken a promise to anyone? Maybe you've been over-controlling with a spouse or a child. Maybe you lied to your boss. Maybe you gossiped about a, a coworker. Maybe you were overly possessive in a relationship. Maybe you've been hypercritical of your kids. Ever been verbally or emotionally or physically abusive, all right, there are situations that we can probably all think of and go, yeah, I need to go back and, and make that right. I need to go back and say I'm sorry. And so make a list. Make a list of things that you, you know you need, to, you need to make right today before the sun goes down. And number two, ask, how would I like someone to make amends with me? Right? If you're the one that, that's, that needs to approach someone, how, how, if I'm on the other side of this, how would I like this to all go down? Right? Well, I would like it to be in, in, the, in the right time. Right? I would like it to be in a, in a, very, in a convenient time. Not, don't just drop up the bomb on your, your spouse as you're rushing out Monday morning to work. And you're like, hey, we really need to talk about this. And they're like, I got to go to work. And you gotta, we can't do this right now. So make, a, uh, make the right time. Look at the right time. Uh, look at the, the, the attitude in which you approach the conversation. Right? So the right time, the right attitude. Engage them with humility and sincerity. Don't, don't just justify your actions and, your, and make excuses. You have to own your part of this. Don't expect anything back in return. You know, um, saying something like, hey, I'm sorry you're upset, that's not a good apology. 
I, I'm sorry you're offended. <laughs> I'm sorry you took that the wrong way. No, 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 no. Those are not good. I've learned this over the years. My wife has taught me this. Those are not good apologies. <laughs> that is not the right thing to say. Don't underestimate the power of a sincere apology. Go to the person at the right time with the right attitude and say, I'm sorry. I was wrong. This is on me. My bad. Will you please forgive me? And then put a period there, right? I'm sorry. I was wrong. Period. And you leave it at that. Will you forgive me? You make amends. And the third part of this is, is we, we kind of have to, it's something that you maybe wouldn't have thought of. I wouldn't have really thought about this when, when I was thinking about this, this sermon uh, as much, but it, it's really important. Is there, there's, is there, if it's appropriate for you to approach them, then you should do so. But if not, then you should leave it alone. There are some situations where it would be unwise to contact someone, right, from your past. If, you've, if you have an unresolved situation with an old boyfriend or an old girlfriend, right, and they've moved on and now they're married and they have kids and they have a family and you really feel like you need to go back and address the situation, well, that would not be wise because there are innocent parties now involved there. If you go back and open up this can of worms, it's going to hurt innocent people. So there may be some situations in life where it's not possible to go back and to physically make amends. There may be someone that you desperately need to talk to today, but they're not here anymore. They, they've passed. They're dead. And you're sitting there going, man, I wish we could have had this conversation a long time ago. And, and that's, that's, that's hard. And so sometimes we can't always go back and make amends. Situation. So I want to kind of give you a little practical step here. Rick Warren calls this the empty chair approach. And he says, take an empty chair, put it in the middle of the room, and, and talk to that chair. That's kind of weird, right? But talk to that chair like you would be talking to this person that you wish you could tell all these things to. Or, or maybe uh, take a piece of paper and, and write a letter. Dear so-and-so, I'm sorry. And start writing. It, it's a letter you'd never send. Right? Maybe take it out in the, the backyard, put it in the fire pit, light it, light it and put it in your fire pit or put it in the grill or whatever, right? But it's this thing, this action of like, God, I, I am sorry for this. You make amends when you can. And if it's, if it's appropriate to approach them, you do so. If not, you wouldn't want to do that. There's a passage that goes along with this, Romans chapter 12. It says this, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I'm going to close with this story. On Wednesday, June the 17th, 2015, a group of Christians gathered at the Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina. They were there for their regular midweek Bible study. Emanuel Church is one of the oldest African-American churches in this country. At 8.16 p.m., a 21-year-old man entered the church and joined the small Bible study of 12 people. After a few minutes of sitting quietly, he began to pick an argument with the pastor who was leading the Bible study. A few minutes later, while the small group had their heads bowed in prayer, he stood up and he pulled a 45 caliber handgun out of his fanny pack. He first aimed the gun at 87-year-old Susie Jackson. Her nephew... Tawanza Sanders tried to talk him down and asked him why he was doing this. The man stated that his intent was to start a race war in our country. 
Sanders threw himself in front of his aunt and was killed first. The shooter then killed eight more innocent people that evening in Emmanuel Church. The entire shooting lasted only six minutes. As of today, it's still the deadliest mass shooting in South Carolina history. The nine victims became known as the Emmanuel Nine. Clementa Pickney, 41, was the church pastor. Cynthia Hurd was 54. Ethel Lance was 70. DePayne Middleton Doctor was 49. Daniel Simmons was 74. Sharonda Singleton was 45. Myra Thompson was 59. Susie Jackson was 87. And Twanza Sanders was 26 years old. Our family happened to be in South Carolina on vacation when this shooting occurred. And as you can imagine, the stories on the news that whole week were just about the situation, really in the state and in the country. You, you probably remember this. Only 48 hours after having lost mothers and sisters and sons and husbands and wives, the victims, the victims of the loved ones appeared in court for the bond hearing. And what, what happened next as I sat there on the couch in our condo in South Carolina, what happened next was something that, that I will never forget. I sat on the couch watching this co- coverage and I could not believe what I heard. It was the first time any of them would face, be face-to-face with the perpetrator of this awful crime. And the presiding judge had invited family members to make a statement if they wished. And so Nadine Collier was the first one. She had lost her mother, Ethel Lance. She stepped up to the microphone and she looked at that young man on the screen. And she said this. Forty-eight hours... They haven't even had the funerals yet. And she says, I forgive you. How does someone do that? She says, I forgive you. You took something precious from me. I'll never talk to her again. I will never be able to hold her again. But I forgive you. Have mercy on your soul. And I sat there. And I thought, how, where does this woman find the power and the grace and the mercy and, and whatever else was, she was conjuring up in her heart in that moment to look at this guy and go, I forgive you. I, I honestly can stand here and tell you I would not have been able to do that in that moment. Just two days after he had taken my mother. I, I couldn't do that. And so I, I was just struck by the ability of someone to forgive of so much. I thought about Nadine Collier the last couple of weeks. Just working on this sermon. Maybe, maybe she understood this thing, right? Maybe she understood that sometimes the best healing happens on the other side of pain. Maybe she was ready to start healing, even in those, those next few hours. Forgiveness doesn't change the past, but it could change your soul. And I think Nadine Collier understood that I'm not going to let this person defeat my soul. I'm not going to allow this toxic thing to be carried with me for the rest of my life. I don't understand that kind of a for- forgiveness. But again, I don't understand how a, a heavenly father 
can look at us. And over and over and over again, say, I forgive you. I forgive you. I I don't understand how a God who gave his son for us, right, could do that, knowing that we would continually sin and, and, and spit in the face of his gift day after day after day, needing so much forgiveness. How much, do, how much forgiveness do you need? Every single day, I need it. And God said, I know, I know what you're going to need, and so I'm going to take care of all of it. I'm going to give you my perfect, blameless son, my holy son, who I dearly love, and this will take care of it forever. Just repent and ask for forgiveness. And come, come to me. Run to the Father, right? And so this morning, uh, I want to encourage you to follow those same steps. When Jesus said you need to forgive over and over and over again, and the apostles said, you're going to have to give us a lot of faith to do this. And Jesus said, I will. I'll be right there with you. Maybe you need to do that today. We're going to pray. We're going to get ready for for communion here in a second. Um, You guys are going to be invited to... Well, go ahead and stand up. You guys are going to be invited to come up and get your communion here in a second as we sing. Um, Also, down here on the front, uh, there's some just blank pieces of paper and some pens. I don't know. Maybe you just need to grab one of those today and and write somebody a note. Maybe it's a note you'll never send. Um, But maybe you need to do that. Maybe you need to start making a list. Maybe you need to grab your phone and and text somebody and say, hey, we need to talk. Like today, I need to talk to you. Um, We're going to pray and uh, some guys are going to be over here at the the cross and by the baptistry. If you want to pray with someone, they'd love to talk to you. Uh, If you want to come up and grab your communion, hold that for a second. We'll take communion here um, together as well. Um, Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you for today. God, I thank you for reminding us about how much and how often you forgive us. God, I pray for uh, those of us in this room who need to have conversations this week with folks who we just need to to go and and talk to because there are some things that may be unresolved that need to be said so that we can move on in freedom. So God, uh, thank you for reminding us of that. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for... uh, giving us the one, the only one who can make any of this right. His name's Jesus. God, we thank you for Jesus. It's in Jesus' name I pray.
look at this. Look at this passage. I promise it's going to be there. There. That was there. Here's what Jesus said. So that they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces and he gave it to his disciples saying, take this and eat it, for this is my body. Let's take the bread. And he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it and he gave it to them and he said, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and and his people. It's poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Let's drink the cup. Hey, thank you guys for, uh, for being here this morning. I know we have a, a... It seems odd to not close a service with a baptism, right? But I know we got two coming in the second hour, uh, so uh, we're getting close to 120-ish here pretty soon, right? So, uh, yeah, we're getting close to, to that number. So, uh, thanks for being here this morning. You guys, let's get out of here and let's go love God, love people, watch Him change the world. See you all.